Just keep your hands up and our ushers will get that to you. I'm going to review a little bit. How many of you have been here the last two weeks? Good. So you're, this is going to be review for you. We've been talking about being heard and offended. Um, Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 is our key scripture we've been going off of. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We've been talking about that root that grows up within us, that it gets its tentacles down within us. um, And bitterness could be defined as becoming resentful, being hostile, being very cold which is the condition of our hearts when we let bitterness come into us. So what causes a root of bitterness? Two weeks ago we talked about hurt. Last week we talked about offenses with other people. This week we're going to talk about that in a little bit different way with disappointment or trouble. Disappointment or trouble that comes in to our lives. See, everybody's been hurt, offended, disappointed. Those are our three areas right there. Everybody. The question is, what are we going to do with it? See, if you get offended and stay offended, it turns to bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness. And guess what that affects? This is your first blank, or your first answers on here. It, it affects your prayer life and your worship. Your prayer life and your worship. So if you've found that there are times and you say, man, I just can't pray. Or you come in here and, and during times of worship and, and you just stand and you can't lift your hands up. You don't have it within you. Check and see if there's a root in you, a root of bitterness because of one of these areas. All right? So everybody caught up? Yes? I see y'all looking around. All right, we're ready to go. Hurt and offenses are open doors to sin. Remember the word offense? We talked about that. Open doors to sin. The word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, which meant the bait that hung on the part of the trap to lure the victim in. Offense comes from that same word, which would mean that It is used in our lives as a trap to try to lure us in to a trap of bitterness that holds us. You guys can turn me down a little bit. I'm like blaring up here myself and I talk kind of loud. Okay, that's better. And some people get in that trap of bitterness, the trap of offense, and they never get out of it their whole life. And it's a very sad life that they live. You probably have known people like that. And they've gone to their grave being in that trap, that offense. Something's happened to them. They've been hurt. They've been disappointed. They've been offended by people. And a lot of times they had, you know, it was something that did happen. I'm not saying that what happened to people is of no value. I know things happen, and we're going to talk about that tonight. But it's a trap if we get in there, we take that bait and we stay in that trap. The devil will keep us where we can't pray, we can't worship, and therefore what? We have no power in our lives then. 
if we're not doing those things. All right. How many times, though, do we get offended at God? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. We talked last week about being offended at people, that people do things. But have we ever been offended at God? Have we ever thought something would happen? God, we pray. We need this to happen. We get our prayer list out there. We're believing for this certain thing. We're believing for healing. We're believing for this situation to change. We're believing for our husband, for our child, for whoever it is. And it doesn't change. Sometimes we get offended at God. Satan sets that trap for us. It's a trap for us, and we choose whether we walk into that trap or not. Sometimes we don't think God answers our prayers like we want them to. Amen? How many of y'all have ever thought that? God, where are you? Where are you? I've been praying about this. Sometimes for days, sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months. Have you all prayed for years for something? I know I have. I've prayed for some of my family members since I got saved at 16. So I've been praying for them for a long, long time. I've seen little bits of God working in their life, but I haven't seen the full manifestation. But I'm still praying. I'm still believing. You know, years ago... Before we bought this building, which we, any of y'all that have gone through partnership class, and that's next Wednesday night. If you haven't gone through partnership, you should go. But I tell the story of how our church came to be and all of our moving in our church buildings. And um, what was interesting is when we were trying to buy a property, we found another church building here in Lubbock. It wasn't this one. We found this building. We went and looked at it. It would have served our needs. We put a bid in on it. We, they assured us, Pastor met with them, it's yours. You're, you know, we're going to give it to y'all. They come back and say, nope, we decided to give it to someone else. So we're like, okay, we go and look again. They decide to sell it again because it didn't go through the first time. So we looked at it, prayed about it, believed for it, okay? Would have been a great building for us temporarily. <laughs> and we thought it was ours, and again, it fell through. Therefore, we didn't have a place to meet. We didn't have a church building. We had to go out to a temporary place that was not any kind of church building. In fact, it was a casino that we had to remodel and turn into a church building. And it was not our first choice, but God blessed that. But he didn't answer our prayers like we thought he was going to answer. We had a year that we kept standing and believing that there's a building. There's something going to open up for us. We had about 200 people at that time, probably. And, I mean, we needed a place, okay? We were just roaming around like gypsies, and we didn't have a building. And we didn't see. We couldn't foresee then that a year later, this property where we're at right now would open up, and that's a whole neat story in itself that you can come to partnership and hear the full story. But um, God answered our prayer, but not at the time that we thought, and sure not in the way we thought. It was even better. But we had to keep standing. 
we couldn't let an offense get in our hearts that said, God, you, you didn't hear us. In fact, there were other churches that were getting buildings. Did you know that the one building we got kicked out of, our, our um, landlord rented it out to another church, and they moved right in there, didn't have any heartburn about us being out on the street. And it would have been easy in those years to get offended at God and say, don't you see what we're going through? Don't you see what we need from you? But we just kept our hearts right. And in the end, God blessed us. All right. So I have a question to ask you. This is on your paper. Are you radically in love with Jesus because of who he is or because of what he does for you? Are you in love with him because of who he is or just because of what he does for you? Let's go to John chapter 20, verses 20 through 29. John 20, verses 24 through 29. I'm going to read it out of the message, which will be up here on the screen. But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. This was after Jesus was risen, okay, after the resurrection. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he, this is Thomas, he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it into my side. Don't be believing. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, My master, my God. Jesus said, So you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Have you ever had to believe in something, believe for something, and you haven't seen it yet? You haven't had your breakthrough yet? You've been standing and praying? Jesus said, blessed are you because you haven't seen it yet. So on your paper, if you haven't seen your breakthrough yet and you're still in love with Jesus serving him, giving, worshiping him, you are blessed. See, I've never gotten the opportunity to see Jesus manifested. I've never gotten to see angels. I've gotten to hear them a few times. And I know some other people have had visions. People have seen Jesus here walking among us. But even though I haven't seen that, I'm still going to believe. And Jesus says we are blessed even more when we don't see everything we're believing for and we still believe. Amen? So let's make a decision. I am still going to believe no matter what. Okay, let's turn to Mark chapter 4. Oh, no, I skipped one. John 13, 7. This is a good one. Jesus said in John 13, 7, he said, You don't understand now what I'm doing but someday you will. Jesus is doing. He's working. Sometimes we think, where are you? When are you going to do something? And he's already working. He's working in people's hearts. He's working behind the scenes. 
But yet, when we don't see it with our two eyes so many times, we're judging. We're critical. We're like, Jesus, where are you? God, where are you? Why aren't you moving? And he is moving. He says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Jesus will help us to know what he's doing. Someday we're going to understand it all. There's going to be situations in your life that come up you'll never understand in this life. There's things that have happened to us that weren't fair. There were things that happened that were very painful and very hurtful. And I'll never understand why. Why did that have to happen? But I know that one day I'll understand. And one day Jesus will give me all the understanding for that. But until then... I'm going to trust him. Amen? So no matter your situation, trust him. So now let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, verses 14 through 17. This is the parable of the sower that Jesus gave. Verse 14 says, The sower sows the word. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear... Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. And in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. Then, here's the key part, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, They immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. See, trouble's going to come. When the word, just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're going to walk out of here and it's all going to be a bed of roses. I hate to, I don't want to be, you know, scare people, but it's almost like we put a target on us for the enemy. He's going to come and try your faith. He's going to see which, which one of these kind of hearers are you. Because all of us have the word sown in our life. We're getting the word sown into us now. Are we going to be the good ground? Are we going to be the stony ground? Are, when trouble comes, it didn't say if, it said when. When trouble, when persecution comes. It's going to come to all our lives. Are we going to be the ones here that immediately become offended And it says at the end, notice it says they stumble and fall away. You ever notice people, man, they come to church and they're so excited and they hear the word and they're going to serve God their whole lives. And then something happens two weeks later and you never see them again. You wonder, where are they? They've stumbled and they've fallen away. See, everybody has trouble in their lives, but not everybody sticks with God when they have trouble. Not everybody has trouble, or not everybody sticks with God when they have trouble. See, not everybody keeps praising God when trouble comes. Not everybody keeps tithing when trouble comes. Not everybody keeps serving when trouble comes. I mean, so many times we want to go off to the side. We want to go hide in the corner and pull away and isolate ourselves. That's one of the enemy's Favorite tactics. When trouble comes and we think we're the only one suffering, he wants us to get us off by ourselves, And we just lick our wounds like a little cat would. And we're like, nobody cares about me. 
God doesn't see what I'm going through. And we call Pastor Keith and say, I can't serve in the jumpers class because I don't feel good. We have got to stick with God. Stick with Him no matter what. No matter what trouble comes. There's going to be victory. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit tithing just because you don't see your finances turn immediately. You are sowing a crop. You are sowing and you will get a harvest. Just because you don't see your family change immediately when you get saved, and they're not, there's probably going to be a little bit of persecution there. But just stay the course. Stay the course. Keep believing God. Don't turn away from Him. Don't become offended. Keep the Word in you and let it grow and grow and grow. A lot of people, they just give up when situations come. Um, I heard a story of a man and he had a, a son. And his son got cancer. And he was praying for his son. God, heal my son. Heal my son. And his son died. And he began to get mad at God. He was offended. And he said, God, where were you when my son died? And God said, I was in the same place I was when my son died. Because God knows there's no suffering that we've gone through that he doesn't know about. When he offered his son Jesus, and Jesus took all our punishment upon his own body on the cross for us. You know, Joyce Meyer talks about that she, when she, from the time she was a little girl, I don't even know if she knows exactly what age it started, but her father abused her in every way. Sexually, physically, verbally, emotionally. There was abuse. And when she was nine years old, she snuck off to a little church and she got saved and she gave her heart to Jesus. And she said she began to pray. In fact, she said she prayed that her dad would die because she did not want him to do those things to her anymore. And it didn't stop. It didn't stop until she was probably, I think at 17, she moved out of the house. And that's when it finally stopped. And so, again, she could have gotten that offense, that root of bitterness in her, and kept that and said, God, why'd you let this happen to me? Why didn't you come and rescue me? Where were you when my dad was doing that to me? God was right there with her, and she talks about that it was for a greater purpose. More. God has done more with her because of that testimony than he ever could have without that. That's how God takes what Satan has meant for evil. The bad things that happen, the hurt in our life, the offense that comes. When things happen and they're not fair, and we don't get rescued immediately. God will use those things for good in our life if we will keep our hearts right. If we don't let a root of bitterness come and destroy us, make us resentful, cause us to stumble and fall away. See, if you're mad at God, this is on your paper. You're mad at the wrong person. If you are offended at God, you're offended at the only person who can help you. 
when you have trouble, you have to make a decision to go on or to go under. To get better or to get bitter. Everybody has those options. No matter what it is. And I am so sorry at some of the things that you guys have had to go through. Pastor Stormy and I get to hear people's hearts and the things that have happened to them, and it breaks our heart. How people have been hurt. It's not fair. We live in a fallen world. And there are some pretty rotten things that happen to people. But what are you going to do with that? Are you going to go on? Or are you just going to sit down right there and have your pity party be in that trap of offense the rest of your life? Be mad at God because you think he was not there for you. We have got to go on and say, God, I know. I know you're with me. I know you've been with me through these times. We've got to quit trying to figure it all out up here. You're never going to be able to wrap your mind around everything and the whys and the winds and the hows. It's just not going to happen. We're just going to have to put it in God's hands and let him figure it out. Whatever's happened. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy 8. And I have on there 1 through 18. I'm going to skip a little bit here. So this is the Israelites. And God has rescued them out of Egypt. Rescued his people away. He's done some great and mighty things for them. And then he begins to talk to them. And he says, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. Verse 2. I'm going to skip around a little bit, David, if you'll follow me. Verse 2, it says, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. Did you get that? God led them. Even when they were in the wilderness, when they were in the place that was so hard, and so difficult, God was leading them. He was with them. And what was his purpose? Look back there. Verse 2, he says, to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart. Are you going to keep the commandments of God or not? So God will lead you even in the wilderness. And in the New Testament, where was Jesus led? He was led into the wilderness and God was still with him in the wilderness in the trouble in the hard time in the testing God was still right there with them see if you won't worship God in the wilderness you're not going to worship God in the promised land you can say it all you want and say oh yeah when I get when I win the lottery when they pull my numbers out, then I'll worship God. Then I'll give to God. No, you won't. Whenever, if you're going to wait till everything's all smooth sailing in your life, when everybody in your family's saved, when everybody's cooperative and you think, okay, then I'll worship God, you're going to be waiting the rest of your life. If you can't worship God in the middle of trouble, in the middle of the wilderness, 
You're not going to worship God when you get the promise that God has for us. Amen? See, sometimes God will lead you in a direction that is harder than it had to have been. Like the Israelites. It didn't have to be that hard. What was it, an 11-day journey that lasted 40 years? There was an easier route that God could have taken you when you're going through the wilderness. But guess what? If it's always easy, you don't mature. You don't grow up. If everything's just given to you, you've heard the whole thing, if life's given to you on the silver platter, there's never any, you know, issues, you don't ever appreciate and you never value where you've come from. How many of you can look back at your life and some of the hard things you've been through and, and you can say, I've grown because of this. Wasn't a fun thing. I wouldn't have chosen to go through it. But now I really appreciate what I have in my life right now. You know, those of you that have parents still living, appreciate that. Because so many times we take them for granted. Oh, they're just our mom and dad. They're just here. But one day they won't just be here. And you need to value them. That's what God wants us to do. Even in the middle of trouble, value those experiences. Even if it's hard right now, value that. Our heart won't change if things are so easy. I know Pastor Stormy tells about his brother, uh, Pastor David, in Clovis. And about two years ago, he was diagnosed with diabetes. And, I mean, some people were probably like, my gosh, how did that happen? Because God's healed him of cancer. I don't know if you know his story, but he's been healed of cancer multiple times from the time he was a little boy on. And yet... He hasn't. He's been praying and believing for healing for this diabetes. And God came to him and he told him, he said, he, he was like, God, why haven't you healed me? And he said, if I would have healed you immediately, you wouldn't have done the things you needed to do to change your lifestyle, to have a healthy lifestyle. And that should be a, a lesson for all of us. Where are we at? Are we believing God for things and we want him to move so it'll be easy on us so that we won't have to change the things that we already know in our life that we need to change the relationships we need to change the habits we need to change we have to ask those questions of ourself see God lets you go through hard times because in those times what do you do you draw closer to him think about when 9-11 happened I mean, our country was in chaos. What did people do that, those next few Sundays? Man, they flocked to the churches. They flocked to God. When I was in high school, I had uh, two friends that were killed on a motorcycle. And it was very traumatic. And boy, all my friends for about a month, they were like, which I had just gotten saved, just tried, started turning my life around, and, and I didn't understand it. But they were, all my friends were like, we're not going to drink anymore. We're going to go to church and we're going to be good. That lasted, you know, two or three weeks at the most. Because when we go through some hard times and we're not rescued immediately, it, it helps us. It steadies us. And so when the change does come, 
our heart is ready for it. And we can maintain that change in our life. All right, let's keep going. Deuteronomy 8. Skip down to verse 10. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. So this is when we get to the good times, when our prayers are answered. Verse 11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your herds are full, you have or uh, when your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, verse 14, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness, skip down to verse 17, then you say, oh no, I want to read 16, 16, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you, there's those words again, to do you good in the end. Those things are to do us good in the end, even though they are hard things, even though it's trouble, it's bad things that we think we don't want to go through. God says, to, it, was, it came to us to do us good in the end. Verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. See, if you're not deeply rooted in God, the more you get, guess what's going to happen? the more it's going to pull you away. It's going to pull you away. Some people, they're like, God, I want a boat, and I'm going to believe you for a boat. And they believe and believe and save up their money, and they finally get a boat, and then they're gone every weekend on the boat to the lake, and they don't come to church for months, and then they wonder all of a sudden, gosh, I don't feel close to God. If we have to, we have to deeply root ourselves, in God. He wants to bless us. He said, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. But it says, even as your soul prospers, God wants us to be so connected and rooted into him that he can give us the stuff, but the stuff isn't what matters. What matters is our relationship with him, that we love him, that no matter if the good, no matter the bad, it's like the song we sang tonight. Whether you're in the desert, whether you're in the fire, whether you're in the battle, or whether you're in the harvest time, we're still going to praise him. We're still going to give him our praise because he doesn't change. He doesn't change at all. So we've got to stay connected, stay rooted in him. On your paper, stuff will not make you happy. Only God can do that. So if you think, well, when I get that new car, if we could just get that bigger house, when we have our next baby, then I'll be happy. No, stuff can never make you happy. Have you asked God for something and now you don't have time for him because of the something that you have? And I hear God saying, 
when you come into these blessings, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget the one who died for you. When blessings come to you, because blessings will come. When you serve God day by day, month after month, year by year, blessings are going to come. I will guarantee you that. Don't forget God. Don't forget him. He wants your heart. Okay, let's finish this up. Last scripture. John chapter 6. And I'm going to read just three of these scriptures. I have the whole thing listed because the whole thing is the story. Jesus was talking um, to his disciples. John chapter 6 and verse 35. And Jesus replied and he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And if you go on and read the story, he goes on to explain it. It's really hard to, I will say, it is, it's a hard story to understand because he talks about how he is the bread that they need to eat. And his disciples, they were so literal because, again, they haven't, Jesus had not died yet. And they're like, what does he mean? He's the bread and we need to eat of his life. They did, and that his blood is, is the life that we need to drink. They didn't understand it. Skip down to verse 60. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Just like what we go through sometimes. And we're like, I, this is too hard. I don't understand it. I'm not, I can't get it up here. And so therefore, a lot of times we just are like, I, that, I'm not going to do that. Pastor Stormy can get up and preach the best message. And sometimes our heart gets hard and we're like, I don't think that's for me. That's for somebody else, but it's not for me. And if you skip down to verse 66, here's the result of turning away from God, of not listening to him, not listening and opening your heart. It said, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Pastor Aaron, you can go ahead and come up. So on your paper, we're going to end. When things don't go your way, are you still going to serve him? When you don't understand why things are the way they are, are you still going to love him? When trouble comes and you have to go through some things, are you still going to trust him? Remember Jesus said, we read the story last week, when John was questioning Jesus. And he sent his disciples to ask, are you the one? He was probably wondering, are you going to come and rescue me? I'm sitting in prison. I'm in trouble. I'm in a bad place. And you call yourself the Messiah and remember what Jesus said. He said, John, he said, blessed are those that are not offended because of me. We're all going to have opportunities to become offended and think that God is not right there. God's not answering us quick enough. He's not doing what we thought. But I want to assure you that he is faithful. He is faithful. You stay the course. You stay on track. And God will answer. 
may not be the answer that you thought, may not be the answer that you wanted, but God is faithful and he is working, he is moving. We have to trust him. So I want you to stand up and this is how we're going to end tonight, the way that we started with this song, Faithful God. And we're just going to sing along with Pastor Aaron. If there has been something that you have been offended at God about, you've been mad because he hasn't done what you wanted him to do. I just want to take a minute and you just ask him for forgiveness. Don't leave tonight with any kind of bitterness in your heart. And then once they finish, our prayer team is going to come to the front. And if there's something you would like us to pray with you about, if there's, I know there's deeper issues. I know there's things that have happened that it takes a process to get through. And we want to start that process. If there's healing that needs to come, we want to pray with you for that.